episode of the fire and water podcast a proud member of the fire and water podcast network i'm one of your hosts the irredeemable shag and along with me as always is my co-host the animated rob kelly how you doing buddy and there's space monkey gleek <laughs> that wasn't bad right i can't i, can't, I, I don't do good, good impressions but that wasn't that bad I think. that was good was it who was the guy who did was it ted knight that did the, those things, no that's that's not ted ted knight did the first season of super friends but not these i don't know who did who does the voiceover for for the, this is this is in many ways the more famous version for my childhood because he did many more this whoever this guy was he did a lot more seasons of super friends than ted knight ever did but of well he did challenges of super friends and yes, we all did. know this guy know that one yep Yep. Well, if it's not too obvious, folks, we are here to have some fun. We are finding our joy this episode because we are going to talk some old school super friends. Uh, Rob had a great idea. Well, what do you tell? I mean, it, it only happens like once a decade. Yeah, you having a good idea. It's kind of like the super blue moon thing. Why don't you tell the folks at home? Uh, what was your idea? This is, yeah, this is my one. Uh, no, partly inspired by the fact that the, the Franklins are going to be launching a new show, JLU Cast, which is going to be devoted entirely to the Justice League Limited series. It occur- it, yeah, really, I can't wait for that show. It, it occurred to me that, like, first of all, there is no, as far as I know, there is no dedicated, like, Super Friends podcast that, like, hmm. indexes the show, which is amazing because to a certain uh, generation of old fart fan, of which I am one, like, this <laughs> The, the Super Friends is like the bedrock of your fandom. It's like no, that's, I mean, that's Flintstones. You're I, I, I mean, I saw I thought I saw Super Friends ever before I ever read a comic book. You know, I mean, it was it was in your it was on your TV. So you turned it on. There it was. It was on every Saturday morning, and it's like I watched every iteration except for like the very last season. We talked about that. We we have done some episodes. Yes. Of this show, we did commentaries. Yeah, we did commentaries, but that, that a was a long time ago, and really haven't done that many. And so I just thought it would be fun to just do an episode where we pick an episode from Super Friends and talk about it. And of course, I picked a specifically one that has some Aquaman heavy content, and then also features a guest star that I just want to talk about because it's funny. Yeah. Um, so the episode that I picked uh, is from the second iteration of the show, which is. The all-new Super Friends Hour, which ran from September 10th, 1977 to September 2nd, 1978. And so we're going to be talking about an episode from that uh, version of the show. But we have other things to get to before we even get to that. Well, I do want to say we're not doing a commentary. No, so you don't no. don't feel like you got to queue it up. You can find the episode, though. I saw it's uh, it's available uh, in, on even YouTube for $1.99 if you want to watch it. So you want to you know kill 45 minutes of your time, even though it you know lies and advertises it as a Super Friends hour. But if you, know, if you want to kill 45 minutes of your time, go out there, buy it for two bucks and watch it. It's fun. So, yes, before we get too much further, we do need to take a second to thank our sponsor. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping on orders of $50 or more. What you got, buddy? Well, as you might imagine, I wanted to pick something Super Friends related, but I decided to go a little bit parallel to that, and I picked... The Art of Ramona Frayden hardcover. Of course, Ramona Frayden drew the Super Friends comic book for many years. 
one of my favorite artists, virtually one of everybody's favorite. I don't know anybody who doesn't like Ramona Frayden's artwork. And this is from Dynamite Entertainment, and it is basically an illustrated biography of Ramona Frayden, one of the comic, great comic book legends of all time, one of the greatest artists ever to do it. Drew Super Friends and Plastic Man and Metamorpho, Brenda Starr, all, and it features a foreword by Walt Simonson. Is, is, the, wow. The book already isn't cool enough. Um, the page count is 144. The normal price is $29.99. In stock trades price is $20.99. That is 30% off. This is like a perfect book for anybody. Like if you're a comic fan, if you're a, a, just a comic art fan, or if you're like, you know, like a young girl out there that might want to be inspired by, you know, to be a cartoonist, here's like one of the first women ever to do it. So The Art of Ramona Freighton Hardcover from Dynamite Entertainment, $20.99. Awesome pick. I uh, I was going to try and find the showcase presents of Super Friends, you know, but it looks like it's out of print right mm-hmm. now. So I I went completely far field and just said, you know what? This is about finding our joy. What am I finding my joy with right now? And oddly enough, I have been reading this past week issues of Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, not Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon, folks. I'm talking old-school 1990s Guardians of the Galaxy by Jim Valentino and from Marvel Comics. has nothing to do with this episode other than Finding My Joy, and I'm, in, I'm loving it. It's a great time. So uh, what I'm recommending is Guardians of the Galaxy by Jim Valentino, Trade Paperback, Volume 2. Now, this collects issues 8 through 20 uh, of the series, so 13 issues. And it's it's got you know if you remember uh, Yondu from the movie and Sylvester Stallone's character and all that stuff from the second movie that those are the original Guardians of the Galaxy they're out in the 30th century and it's a hooping fun good time Jim Valentino knew how to write and draw a compelling superhero comic that was just bonkers fun I mean you can't you can't go into it and be like this is deep and meaningful it's just crazy fun superhero stuff with some hot sexy women and funny 30th ver- uh, century version of your favorite character so for example in this one they go to the world world of the mutants and they end up battling wolverine's descendant whose name is rancor <laughs> and uh they, they get a dark phoenix mixed in there they end up dealing with some future ghost riders some future punishers it's a blast so anyway it's a um, 336 pages and normally retails for 34.99 because it's a huge book but you get a 45 percent off right now so it's like 19 dollars and 24 cents and i promise you will not be let down it is super fun and jim valentino really knows how to tell a story. He really, really does. So uh, check that out. And for these and all your trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. All right, Rob. So we're here. It's time to talk about the Super Friends. What uh, you wanna, how, do you, how do you want to set the stage here, buddy? Well, like I said, this is from the second iteration of the show, which was the all-new Super Friends Hour. It only ran for one season, from 77 to 78, at least this version of it. The episode that we're talking about in question is not titled, uh, other than it's just episode four. It aired on October 1st. 1977. It features four stories, Dr. Fright, Drag Race, Day of the Planet Creatures, and Fire. Plus it has all these other little interstitial stuff, which we'll get to. Uh, it's, it's uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Challenge of the Super Friends will always be uh, my favorite version of the Super Friends. I think that's sure. true of most people. But I really love the grab bag format of the all-new Super Friends Hour because you've got a Wonder Twin segment, which is probably the least thing. And then you've <laughs> got, you know, two of the Super Friends in a team-up. Then you've got a, a whole Super Friends adventure. And then you've got one member of the Super Friends with a guest star. So it's like you've got everything. You know, you've got, like, the, the, the variety. You've got a Super Friends team. If you like the Wonder Twins, there's something wrong with you, but there's that for you. And then you get to, it's like it just has, and then you've got all the magics like magic tricks and decoding and it's just these are like this is it, that, that it has that music that every time the right. little episode feels like <laughs> it's the, these are like the things of my childhood this this show so this is why one of the reasons I want to talk about from this particular season it's, it's interesting this this version of uh, Super Friends is definitely in my DNA. I, I have to assume I watched it first run. I don't remember much of these episodes. I remember a little bit of one of, of one of the things in this episode, and I don't know whether I from first run or reruns, but I remember the plant creature stuff. Uh, but it's a, a lot of fun. Now I got to ask you, as a Super Friends uh, expert, if you will, if you, at least the one on the podcast today, um, was this the first season with the Wonder Twins, or did they come in in the previous iteration? No, this is the first one with the Wonder Twins because the, okay. the, the the other version is was uh, Men- Marvin Wendy, and Wendy. And, Marvin and Wendy, yeah, yeah. which I know Chris Franklin. Loves. Uh, uh, I'm it, sorry, Zane and Jaina are infinitely better. And sorry, I'm not but even. Yeah, okay. We can start a fight in the comments. This will be fun, folks. Right, right. Zane and Jaina are Marvin and Wendy. It's Marvin and now, Wendy. Now that is Marvin a separate Wendy. argument from Wonder Dog versus Gleek, by the way, because I can't, I can't get there with Gleek. But yeah, exactly. 
Uh, <laughs> this show continues the trend of having like Bafo opening credits. Like this, this show always had great opening for that music done, 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 done. And I love that you've got the, the five heroes and you've got the glow behind them as a, the camera pans over. And then they do the, we see them all in a kind of big adventure. And then we, then they get the individual was it Superman and he's punching a meteor and Batman's on his rope line, Wonder Woman, invisible plane, Aquaman on his seahorse. Now, did you notice something when you watch opening credits that I think is, is interesting? I, I have something written down. I wonder if it's the same thing I'm going to say. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Is, isn't it interesting that when they get to Batman and Robin? Yes! Yeah, okay. When they get to Batman and Robin, they get their own series of Alex Toth drawings. Okay, that are, are, that, okay these are some of my questions. Are, is it Alex Toth? Those and drawings we, are Alex Toth. I should let you finish your thought, Frank. <laughs> those drawings, those drawings are absolutely Alex. They are, in fact, they they look like to me Alex Toth pencil drawings that have been colored, because if you look at them close, you can see how sketchy they are, and they're not filled in with ink. So for some reason, Batman and Robin get this nice montage of them drawn by Alex Toth. Well, the other three heroes do not get that. They just get the animated uh, sequence, which is very interesting. I mean, not that the animated sequences are bad because it's Superman uh, pushing a rocket into space, Wonder Woman uh, lassoing a dragon, Aquaman riding some dolphins, but the, the Batman stuff is so cool. I was like, why don't the other heroes get that? The Batman stuff is boss. In fact, I paused it and looked at it frame by frame, thinking, this looks like it came right out of a comic. Yep. I mean, one of them's got Robin. He's tied up to a pole, and Batman's swinging around. I mean, because Alex Toth was able to draw just a still image rather than some animators in, I don't know, Korea or wherever, some people, they don't pay much money, um, you get a lot more detail in those pictures. I mean, they look really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, and it's just exceptional. And that's what made me think it was, might be you know, like at one point I'm sitting there going, is that even a Neil Adams drawing? Probably not, but oof, man, it looks really good. So have the you, bat symbol never looks so good. Have you ever, have you ever had the chance to look at Alex Toth's model sheets that he did for all the animated shows he did over the years? Cause there's a book of them. I've, I've seen some. Yeah. Oh my God. They are just sumptuous. I mean, they're just so beautiful. They're so complete. And they give you all the characters and all the turnarounds and their heads and their action poses. And they're just, they're just so beautiful. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, whoever decided to stick in some Alex Toth artwork was doing everybody a service. You're like, wow, my God, I well, get if, to see these things. If you, uh, if you like it, now this isn't super friends related, but if you love Alex Toth, one of my favorite things that sits on my bookshelf are these collected books from Eclipse, uh, Eclipse collected probably by Fantagraphics now, but the old Zorro comics, mm. uh, drawn by Alex Toth. They are freaking gorgeous this is when disney had the license in like the 50s and he was doing the comic strip i, I can't tell if it was a comic strip or comic book i think it was comic books and uh, they're just gorgeous i've read those things a few times that just the man is a master with so few lines it's unbelievable yeah yeah his uh that, that segment he did in the super french treasury which i covered over on treasury castle mm-hmm. luke dobb is that's like a little mini lesson of like how to animate you know because yeah. he does like four or five pages it's just this stuff is just so beautiful so i love I love, love, love that they worked some original drawings in. Now, of course, so, so Batman and Robin get a little extra leg up here. But I will say, I love at the end of the credits, after Wonder Twins waste our time, uh, we well, get the shot of... <laughs> I was just going to say, the Wonder Twins also get a still photo. They do, yeah. But, but they pan the camera across it, so it feels like it's got motion. Yeah, Marvel animation. Was, yeah, yeah we, right. Which is still, um, but it's still probably an Alex Toth piece, so it still looks a little bit better than the Wonder Twins normally look. Yes. Uh, but I love that in the final shot that Batman and Robin are not pictured in the final shot because it's Superman oh. and Wonder Woman flying through space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Aquaman's there too, flying. <laughs> oh, he, that's a good point. He is, which, yeah, he is. Which he does he? not do, but I'm, I'm just happy that he's that he was included. <laughs> yeah, that one almost that one to me looked like an Alex Toth image as well, where they just animated like the cape and the hair. Yeah, I because think Because so. everyone is very static except yeah. for the, the moving elements. Yeah, yeah, it's fun stuff. But I mean, the... These things are just such high energy, man. If you're a kid and you're sitting there and imagine, I mean, cue the Luke Dobb uh, Saturday morning fever theme in your head when we're talking about this. You've got your bowl of sugary cereal and you're in your jammies and you just like, this is what you want to see, you know, just this kind of high energy. And you're like, oh my God, this is going to be so exciting. And it's just, and so the show opens with kind of a little, uh, a little what you're about to see. There's like a little mini preview of like, here are all yeah. the stories you're about to see. It's, it's like a table of contents right up front. I love it. <laughs> or I was going to say like a sizzle reel, but yeah, a table of contents is a way to look at it. Absolutely. I, cool. uh, you know, in hindsight, we really should slap ourselves. We should have done this episode as a Saturday morning fever episode. Durr. Oh, well, we'll just keep it rolling with the fire and water guys. But, um, 
Yeah, so it does the it does the little teaser, and then you get into the Doctor Fright. So uh, I'm going to cover, but I don't think you said the release date. This aired first October first, 1977. I so think I did actually, but that's okay. Whoever's got the closest birthday to that, raise your hand. All right, congratulations. All right, so let's get into. Dr. Fright. Now, the way Rob and I talked about this advance, we said, all right, I, I would do certain stories and he would do certain stories. So I wrote full-on synopsis. Rob wrote like one sentence. You <laughs> the internet. So way to go. So you're going to get a little more juice from me, folks, because I got the good stuff. Uh, now, to be fair, this Dr. Fright summary, I took some of it from some old defunct website that I found online. I don't know. It was dedicated to Aquaman or something. But anyway. It is defunct. <laughs> no, actually, the Dr. Fright one I wrote myself. I'm sorry. It's the other story I stole from your site. Anyway, here we go. Dr. Fright. So a mysterious blimp appears in the skies over Metropolis, and inside is Dr. Fright and his henchmen. Now, Dr. Fright's men release this fear gas from the blimp over Metropolis in an effort to make everyone too afraid to commit crimes or to start wars, thus resulting in total peace on Earth. Interesting. So he releases the gas, and people in Metropolis are cowering from everything. So the Super Friends are alerted, and Superman and Wonder Woman are dispatched to stop the blimp. Apparently, Batman, Robin, and Aquaman, who were there when the Trouble Alert came in, eh, they're probably too busy at the Justice League's uh, uh, Hall of Justice making mac uh, macrame or something. I don't know why they didn't come. Anyway, while flying from Metropolis, Superman and Wonder Woman track the blimp by, check this out, Wonder Woman actually just stops her invisible plane in the skies of Metropolis. No, like, vertical propulsion or anything. She just parks it right there on a cloud. Uh, anyway, Superman uses his super hearing to track the blimp. Once they arrive at the blimp, Superman and Wonder Woman sneak inside. Superman is overcome with fear gas and is reduced to cowering from a little tiny kitty cat. Uh, he's scared of everything, man. Wonder Woman, as she, a boss, rescues Man of Steel, and they escape from the blimp, and they go visit the nearby Metropolis Science Institute. Um, there, there's a scientist who just miraculously has the antidote to clear up the fear gas exposure, inoculates them from any further exposure, and neutralizes whatever remaining gas they find. Pretty handy scientist to know. Uh, too bad Star Labs didn't get mentioned. So as Dr. Fright's blimp approaches a local football stadium, Superman and Wonder Woman attack the blimp. Superman knocks out his propulsion and then takes down Dr. Fright and his goons with their own fear gas. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman neutralizes the remaining fear gas. Metropolis is cured of the fear, fear gas affliction, and Dr. Blight is taken into custody. And the story ends with a message that true peace on Earth cannot be accomplished through fear. So, what would you think of this one, buddy? Uh, I, I like it. I do wonder why it's not Scarecrow. Like, why is, it, why is this, this guy? <laughs> now, Scarecrow wouldn't show up in the show till next year with the Challenge right. of the Super Friends. So I wonder if there's like a, I don't know, a negotiating for rights issue or something. Because, yeah, it would have made a lot more sense to use Scarecrow. I don't know why they didn't bother to. Although I guess it wouldn't necessarily fit with the plot because this guy is more like your misguided scientist rather than a supervillain, of course. Oh, he's that's to, true. He is trying to achieve world peace through backwards means. But uh, And, man, I love that airship that they designed. That really? The blimp that looks like a, like, a, like a flying fish or something? Oh, I love it. It's First of all, I love the purple colors and all the design okay. and like the, 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 the shark fins it's got. I do wonder why his henchmen are dressed as Navy guys. Like they're, they're they're not naval officers, so I don't know why they're right. in those they're in that gear. I guess it's just like ah, if you're in an airship, you're a navy guy. That's just, that's just the way you're all going to dress. That's if you're going to work for Doctor Fright, that's how you're going to dress. That's the end. Of it. Well, probably the most interesting thing about it is simply that, like you said, that idea that that leads them to a moral of the story at the end. Again, he wants to achieve world peace, which again they can say you know uh, you can't achieve world peace through fear. And then, so that probably would make more sense, not not going with Scarecrow. The, the only other real thing I, I got saying here is, uh, of course, keep in bear in mind, folks, it is me, the irredeemable shag. So I got to say, Wonder Woman has got it going on, folks. She's hot in this thing, and uh, I was very impressed. And one thing I noticed throughout this entire cartoon is the animators very purposely uh, sort of sexualize the female characters by having them cock their hip all the time. Uh, if you look at it, they always have their hip cocked. And uh, you can't just kind of making that butt stick out there, and you can't help but notice it. Wow. Uh, I, the, the opening shot of the Super Friends is all of their back to us, and Wonder Woman's ass is right there. So I'm sorry. I, you can't deny me that. I, I, I can and I will. Uh, really <laughs> starting to regret doing this whole thing. Uh, you know, I love the idea. Well, it gets much worse later. Don't worry. Oh, great. I love that Wonder Woman saves Superman. I think yep. that's a great little detail. Uh, I liked that uh, this I, – I can't say that they maybe took it from it necessarily, but it's just an interesting historical footnote in that the film Black Sunday, which is about a bunch of terrorists that take over a, a blimp and are going to fly it over the Super Bowl, 
uh, came oh. out came out in April of 1977, and this show aired October of 1977. Oh. Now, of course, they probably had to be working on this long before that. But Black Sunday was also a very popular book, so maybe it was just in the culture or anything. So, but I can't help you know can't help think there was some influence there. Well, if it if it, that movie came out in April '77, and this aired in October. It could have easily been animated after that movie came out. Maybe, maybe they had, yeah. they had to do these really quickly. Uh, I mean, right. for the for the most part in this episode, I'm not going to like have a lot of comments on the animation because it's pretty limited. But it's it's not fair to, to 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 ding them on it because these guys were working so fast and so cheap that the fact that it looks as good as it does is remarkable. You know, we all like to make fun of, like, the mistakes where there's, like, a double Batman or, you know, like, Robin's symbol is backwards or those right. mistakes. But for the most part, I mean, trying to do a show, an hour-long show every week, uh, just uh, had, had to be a Herculean task. Now, I, I, I wasn't trying to be offensive earlier when I said someone illustrating in Korea, but, I mean, isn't, isn't that usually the no, case exactly where they outsourced they it? Yeah, sure, okay, yeah. sure, yeah. No, 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 okay. that's exactly what happened. Yeah, they, they did... They did like the interstitials, not the yep. not the whatever, I forget what they're called. The interstitials is actually the in between stuff. They did like the, I think the character points or something where it's like you know the A to B to C points were done. I think in America, and then they sent it off overseas. So yeah, they they had to do this show incredibly quickly for for no money. I mean, I, I've seen interviews with Bruce Tim where you know they have gone back and shown him like what. It, they used to Hanna Barbera would have to spend on an episode of Super Friends, and he's like, "Oh my God, we did the credits for that money." Yeah, you know, right. Like, stuff like that. So the show, the show, yeah, it looks a little dodgy here and there, but nevertheless, this is still a lot of visual imagination. And I, I do love all the poses they give Superman when he's mm-hmm. afraid because he looks depressed. Like there, when she, when right. she, when she breaks into the the cell, the rescue him, he's got his hand over his face, like he's like, "Oh, woe is me!" Like I love all that. It's great little details. And well, during the escape, he's too scared to climb, so he has to cling to her back while she does all the climbing. I mean, yeah. it's very empowering for Wonder Woman. It's a great yeah. episode. In that one, only, right? only Wonder Woman could carry Superman because he weighs, you know, what, like 600 pounds or something? That's he's true. Like That's true. So. <laughs> if this was well, Batman, they'd be out of luck. <laughs> well, up next was the safety video where uh, basically it's about – it's a little short, like maybe one-minute, two-minute thing where a kid's skateboarding down a dangerous hill. Batman and Robin spot uh, spot this danger, and they go in and swoop the kid up and save him from getting hit in traffic. The thing I just wanted to mention about this one that cracks me up is it starts off with Batman and Robin in the bat plane, right, flying over Gotham. And Robin's like, you know, oh, holy whatever, Batman. That kid's in trouble on a skateboard. And then you show the kid, and then they immediately show Batman and Robin save the kid in the Batmobile. So they went from the Batplane to the Batmobile in, what, four seconds? I, I'm just saying, a little continuity error there, but that's okay. I, as we said, you, you got to ignore some of these things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love those little bits. That I, I learned a lot of stuff. Like, there's still stuff I remember. Like, how to, when I was a kid, like, I learned how to approach a dog safely from Aquaman. Because they did the whole oh. thing about, you know, you don't you put your hand out first and let the dog sniff. I, that was, I absolutely learned that from, from a kid. I, it's funny, the one safety thing I re- – well, besides the don't ride on the handlebar thing. Uh, the one safety thing I remember that came in handy and I still use to this day was also an Aquaman segment, which is when you get something in your eye. How ah, you yes. pull one eyelid over the other to make it water and flush it out. And go. I've even taught that to my kids, and I remember it from Aquaman and the Super Friends. There you go. Perfect. Thanks, Aquaman. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the second segment uh, is Drag Race which stars the Wonder Twins. And like I said, my recap is incredibly simple because, you know, it is. Uh, it's the Wonder Twins, Zan and Jaina and Gleek, have to teach a lesson about the dangers of street drag racing, which I guess was a problem uh, in the mid-'70s. Basically, these two sets of kids, these two guys decide to go drag racing, and then a third friend is like, well, yeah, I shouldn't do that, and they don't listen because they're like, oh, we want to be cool and go drag racing. So the one kid ca- calls for help, and the... the he goes to the Super Friends, and then they alert the Wonder Twins, and the Wonder Twins are going to investigate. There's some wonderful little details here. First of all, we see the Wonder Twins uh, miniature golfing. That's, That's hilarious. See them, which is like, you know, shouldn't they be studying? But okay, whatever. <laughs> One of the drag racers mentions that they can where they can drag race. And mm-hmm. he talks about down by the factories. And right. he says, uh, the factories all close at 3. 
Huh? <laughs> it's, what is that? It's, what is oh, I that? I that was a Yankee thing. I thought you knew about that. Okay. No, I all closed at three. What a bunch of lazy factory workers. What's going on? You work till five like everybody else. What's the They're probably there at six in the morning, you bastard. Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, I did notice a little fun detail that when you see the kids about to take off when they're in their cars and they're, they're revving their engines, in the background is a poster for Yogi Bear. There and sure it's, is. It's coming soon. I thought it was such a great little I gag. saw that too. I thought that was a fantastic idea. And it's funny because he's done it like a watercolor. It's not yeah. the same kind of line work. It's it's clearly meant to be a background detail, but that is clearly Yogi Bear. Yeah. So yeah. that was great. So the, the kids get in the drag race, and, of course, uh, they're dumb because they don't realize that uh, just because this factory just doesn't mean there's not going to be traffic. And then a big truck ends up coming out on the street unexpectedly, and one of the cars swerves out of the way to miss it. And they end up on a cliff, and they explain – that uh, this whole area is still under construction, which is why there is this massive cliff. But it really does look like that this city just stops on, like, the edge of the Grand Canyon. There's no fence. <laughs> there's no nothing. It's just this 50-foot drop right at the edge of the city, which just seems right. incredibly unsafe. Well, maybe the factories dug it out for ore or something. Right. I guess so, yeah. I mean, just, I, it, <laughs> it reminds me of the cliff you see in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indy is chasing the, the Nazis in the truck. And oh, he right. pushes the one guy off the Jeep, and then the Jeep all of a sudden falls like 100 stories. You're like, where did that cliff come from? Right. <laughs> exactly what it is. So Skywalker was, Gulch got a lot deeper. Exactly. So I got a question for you. Well, as Wonder, you're doing, I just yeah. want to end up. The Wonder Twins do right. rescue the kids, of course. Uh, Jaina turns into an elephant and grabs the car long enough for the kids to jump out. And Zan uses his useless powers to form an ice bridge, which allows them to cross the ravine to, to safety. And the kids end up apologizing, and uh, they end up gonna, they're going to lose their license for a while for drag racing. And that's uh, but they've learned their lesson. So as they're losing their license, they're they're talking to the cops, and they realize they've lost their license for a year. And because every episode has to end with a joke, Gleek's over there wearing the cop helmet, pretending to drive the cop car, going woo woo, and Zan and Jane are laughing about it. And if I was those guys, I know it's, like, it's a jerk. I'd be like, "Screw you, space monkey! Yeah. My car is gone, and I'm not going to have my license. And you're playing cop right now. Go to hell, space monkey!" Yeah, he's a so, big jerk. Gleek's really a big is. jerk, and uh, there's no doubt about. It. I never, I, I don't like these characters. I'm sorry. I, like Zan and Gina. I, will, I really I will, do, actually. I will go to the mat for Marvin and Wendy over. This is the only thing I think Chris Franklin and I disagree on. I think that's well. It. Uh, uh, Wendy's pretty hot. I got to tell you, Alex Toth knows how to draw a young lady, but. Um, so, the the people in the drag racer, the 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 three, the car, the three people in it. Right. Is it just me, or does that look a lot like Shaggy, Velma, and Daphne? Uh, I didn't see that. All right. Well, go it, go back and look at some pictures of it, or, or just scroll, scroll through it. The girl that looks like Velma, she's even got like an orange top. It's almost like a turtleneck kind of thing. Mm. The other girl's got longish hair. It looks kind of Daphneish, and the guy looks kind of shaggy. I think I think that was on purpose. And I mean. I could be wrong. Could but, be. You know. The guy that calls for help does have like a neckerchief like Fred did. So. Oh, I didn't even think about that. He's her other friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else? Uh, all right. I've given lots of compliments for the ladies. Now I'll give one to Zan. Zan is freaking buff, dude. Like these kids are supposed to be teens. Okay. They uh, don't he's draw pretty cut. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Well, they don't draw Gina like a teen, by the way. They draw her like a woman. And J Zan is the same way. He's more cut than Batman. The way they draw him, <laughs> so I mean, it's pretty kind of crazy. One thing I noticed too uh, on the title card for this one, I'd never noticed this before. Uh, it's the Zan and Jana title card. They've actually they're, they're touching and activating their powers. They actually both are holding in their hand their glove, like they took their glove mm -hmm, off mm -hmm. to touch. And I thought that was a nice kind of detail. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I never really thought about that or noticed that before. Oh, the, so. all the title cards are great. I, we didn't mention at the top of the show. I love the title cards because it's got little stock art poses, like the mm -hmm. Superman, Wonder Woman. Batman and whatever it's those are great again they just it feels this even though Challenge of the Super Friends is always my favorite iteration of the show this one feels like the most like a comic book because it just has that hundred page you know feeling to it like you just get all those features it does because all the different features yeah I'll give you yeah. that but now I you know I, I got my love though I, I love the um the later series too with Firestorm of and Cyborg because yeah. those title cards if I remember right isn't it like one of the title cards, isn't it like a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez drawing? Praise be his name, name drawing? Yeah, I think one of them, yeah, it's somebody, it's JLGL traced over drawings, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely stunning, so. Yeah. All right, then we get a, then we get the decoder segment. <laughs> 
which I, I don't I don't remember those. Like I remember a lot of these little you know kind of hints about these stories. I have no recollection of these decoder segments where they're throughout the episode sort of is stitched in. Is there's these segments where Aquaman shows up swimming in a pool, and he's like, "Hey, the first clue is in this sign." He forgets the word meat, and then later on he get in the next segment he gives you an E, and the last segment he uses an or for a raft, and you have to figure out it. the code word for this episode is meteor. And I'm like, what? They don't explain what these segments are. They don't explain the purpose of it. They just do them. Mm-hmm. And I and, until I, I watched a few episodes because Rob kept sending me the, the wrong file this week, and so I watched a few <laughs> episodes. I've sort of finally figured out how what these segments are, but I had no idea what I was watching because I don't remember these at all. <laughs> was it just this year that did this thing? I I believe so. I think it was only these. So okay, and you're just supposed to figure out a code word which is related to the the main feature, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of the main feature, let's get to it. Uh, this one is uh, what did you, would you call the centerpiece of the episode? Is that what you called it? Rob? Yeah, I would say this is the main. It's the longest segment of the four, and it features all the super friends. So this is definitely the the, the main feature. I would say. Yeah. It's called Day of the Plant Creatures, and this is the one I kind of remember actually. Just I remember the monsters, uh, and uh, as I wrongfully indicated earlier, I did steal some of this recap from some defunct website about Aquaman. But anyway, all right. So uh, I jazzed it up, though. Made it better. So this meteorite lands in the Florida swamp, turning nearby plants into hulking, sentient, malevolent creatures that grow, start to move, and head out of the swamp towards the nearest town, which is Cypressville, Florida. Uh, These creatures also emit some sort of high-pitched scream, which apparently some kids... pointing at Rob, found exceedingly unsettling. Um, the swamp creatures run afoul of some humans, turning them into swamp creatures also. They also create swamp chicken hybrids, which to me are hilariously dangerous. Uh, we then cut to Aquaman giving some lessons to the Wonder Twins in his super cool-looking Aqualab. And once the trouble alert is signaled, the super friends meet up with the Hall of Justice, assess the situation, and head to Florida to deal with the danger. Superman takes on some of the creatures and gets infected himself, slowly turning into a swamp creature. And when Batman gets in over his head, trying to scoop up the glowing meteorite that seems to be causing the problem, he gets surrounded by the swamp creatures. And just as they're about to get him, Aquaman swoops in and pulls his bat out of the fire. Later, Wonder Woman gets zapped, and she gets contaminated as well. And the swamp creatures are beginning to multiply really fast and invade the booming city of Florida City. Please put a pin in that. We're going to talk about that some more in a bit. Uh, Aquaman comes up with a plan to grab one of the swamp creatures, bring it to his super cool Aqualab, and try and come up with an antidote. Aquaman consults with a scientist who tells him that the only antidote is an element that can only be found at the very bottom of the Marianas Trench, so deep that not even submarines can get to it. Not sure how this man could figure that out. But anyway, Aquaman heads there and gets what he needs, pausing only when he's grabbed by a very giant, angry octopus. Luckily, he calls on some of his finny friends who help him escape. When Aquaman comes up with the antidote, the super friends do their best to hold off the swamp creatures. Aquaman eventually does, and when he sprays it on the captive swamp creature, it does what it's supposed to do, turning it back into a harmless plant. And miraculously, the pot even reappears in some of them, so they're potted plants. He then sprays it on Superman and Wonder Woman, after the, um, and after all the fighting is over, uh, the swamp creatures uh, they spray it on the meteorite itself, causing it to stop emitting the strange radiation. Superman scoops up the meteorite and tosses it into space, where it meaninglessly and unreasonably explodes for no reason. <laughs> and this causes all the swamp creatures to devolve back into plants, and all the infected humans revert back to back as well. Earth is saved. Back at the Hall of Justice, the Super Friends even make time to thank Aquaman for coming up with the antidote in time, as well as delivering a gentle ecological message about the delicate balance of nature. All right, so I think we both have the most notes to talk about this one. Fair to say? Yes. Okay, first thing I want to address is this whole Florida thing. Just before David A. Scudieres can start writing in the comments, yes, folks, this episode takes place in Florida. Yes, everybody is a hillbilly. Yes, they live in shacks. No, David, that is not what Florida looks like. Cypressville is not an example. I do find it quite hilarious, though, that the swamp creatures are all lumbering towards the metropolitan city of Florida City, which, by the way, I had to Google today. And Florida City is a very tiny suburb outside of Miami with only 12,000 people. So by Florida City, I think they meant Miami, but they just figured none of the people had heard of it. I don't know. So it'd be like saying Massachusetts City. <laughs> but um, so anyway, so I mean, down here, we remember it as the uh, plant creature invasion of 1977. We remember it well. We have a memorial for it and everything. <laughs> but anyway. So what did you think of this episode, buddy? Well, I love this one. I mean, obviously, because Aquaman plays such a big part in it. I think the, the I love the sound that the plant creatures make, that, that uh, high-pitched uh, scream. 
Uh, I think that's great because it's it's kind of inhuman sounding and sort of guttural, weird. It, it reminds me of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I can't help but think, uh, did Stephen King happen to see this segment before he wrote the segment on Creepshow? Because, you know, a meteor lands and turns you into a plant creature. And, I, you know, I'm your meteor shit. You know, that's what I hear when I say it. Um, it features the Aqualad, which I never yes. tire of seeing. That should have been an ab- absolutely should have been a Mego playset because it's this cool underwater thing that looks like something out of 20,000 leagues under the sea. I absolutely love it. I love that Aquaman has like his own, you know, research station. It's all, it's like, it's a bat cave, you know, uh, it mentions, it's, just, a, it's a little weird that he keeps fish and tanks in there though. It is like, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Those are his friends. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe they just stay for a little while. Uh, yeah, I love the dog in the yard. Yeah, exactly. I love that. It mentions the justice league satellite. It's always, that always confused me as a kid. Cause I'm like, well, wait, this isn't the justice league. So what, who, what's the justice league? Like it's a whole separate thing. Uh, I love Batman's line where they discover the vine that nobody wants to touch. And he goes, my bat gloves will protect me. They're just okay. gloves. They're just garden gloves, Bruce. They're not bat gloves. Tracy has like five pair. It's like, get over yourself. This is super bad dickery, okay, because I have this in my notes too. Because just moments before that, Jaina is reaching for the plant, and they're like, no, don't, Jaina, because you'll get infected. She's wearing gloves, okay? <laughs> then Batman, that's what, exactly what you just said. So I'm like, what a dick. Yeah, oh, my just, God. They're just gloves. You can get them at Home Depot, like three ninety nine a pair. Uh, <laughs> and later on, he also mentions the bat compass, and we see the compass in the – and it's just a compass with a bat symbol on it. So it's like – Stop! Stop calling everything bat. This they're not. It's not special. <laughs> um, Aquaman mentions Aquaman takes a trip to the Marianas Trench in this episode, which of course is going to figure in huge in the Aquaman movie because it's where the trench are from. So you've got oh, is the tr- is, okay. Is the trenches in the movie? I didn't apparently, realize that. Okay. Apparently, they are. And then, as as we mentioned, I don't make fun of the animation because it's not fair. This stuff is done super fast. But I will say there is a, seg- a scene near the end of Batman and Robin by the Sith where Batman's head is huge compared to his body. <laughs> he looks like a Mardi Gras float. Like it's just it's absurd. Well, that's so funny. But uh, but I, I really love the story because it's just it's them facing kind of like a horror-y element, which I always I enjoyed. Well, you know, a couple different things about the monsters. It reminded me a little bit of that Goldenrod, which was a Firestorm villain we read, the Gene Colan drawn issue oh, of Firestorm. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I don't know if you know, Jerry Conway was kind of thinking of that. I mean, I doubt he was. I mean, it's kind of, they, I'm sure they came up with his own idea, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Uh, also, so we're talking about guest stars and everything, right? This seems like a, a missed opportunity because, you know, this is 1977. Swamp Thing came out in 1971. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, wouldn't that have made sense to use that character in some way here? That would have been cool. That would yeah. have been really cool, especially since Swamp Thing later became a cartoon hero. But, yeah, I guess that was Swamp probably, Thing. Probably, I was going to say that's probably too deep a cut for Hanna-Barbera, but that that whole idea will be proven wrong in the very next segment. Right, so. I was going to say. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that, but um, you know, big questions about this whole thing is what is the meteor's objective? Because the meteor, the meteor shows tines, shine, bleh, signs of actual intelligence. The meteor is not just causing mutation. The meteor itself is giving orders and directives to these you know, uh, swamp creatures. So what... Is its is its uh, you know motivation just to procreate? I'm not really sure. Take I, over I'm the just, earth. That, that's what kind of what I'm assuming, but they never overtly say that. So well, I, don't know. It's, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what the, the the probe says to the whales in Star Trek Four, but we know they're talking to the whales. It's just just just, they, just they wrote, global wrote global book, domination. They wrote a book about it called Probe. All but right, anyway, all right, come on. So, okay, there was a very creepy – I told you it gets worse. There was a very creepy, awkward thing with Zan and Jane in this one. Uh, they get sent – obviously, the Super Friends realize they're useless in this situation. So, like, Zan and Jane, go warn the people in Florida City that impending doom's coming. They can't do anything about it. So, uh, it, to get to Florida City in a hurry, Jaina turns into a pigeon – rather than a falcon or something that flies fast. And, of course, Jan was a useless bucket of water. Uh, but, but it gets really kind of creepy because Zan gets attacked – I'm sorry, Jaina gets attacked by a, a, a bird of prey. She has to go hide, and the only way to save her is Jan- Zan has to kind of like pee on her? I mean he has to pour himself over her basically in order so they can change back. It's really creepy, and there's a lot of imagery if you start thinking about it too deeply since they're brother and sister. It really kind of bothers me in, in hindsight. I think they could have found a way around that. Wow, you really chose to go down some dark avenues for this episode. I thought we were just going to talk a nice, fun cartoon <laughs> show from our past and 
you're bringing in all these really dark things. I don't know what's going on here. Okay, you'll like this one then. You talk about the Justice League. The, even the Justice League computer hates Gleek, okay? Uh, at the end, the Justice League computer announces its own name and basically says, Gleek, get the hell off my reels. Uh, it gets pissed at him. And then uh, also, I, I got to say, when they're in the Aqualab, Gleek stupidly accidentally releases the plant creature. So once again, screw you, Space Monkey. Yeah, oh my terrible. god, he's terrible. They just need to. They, they, you know what? They need to let Wonder Dog just eat him. That's I, probably what needs to happen. I honestly don't know who I would want to see win in a knife fight between Snapper Car and Gleek. I don't know. <laughs> if, if they both die, everybody wins. That would be great. Yes, ideally. The, the, I wasn't kidding. My recap about the plant, the plant chickens. That was hysterical. The plant. I did like the plant chickens. Yeah. He converts the, the chickens and they turn all green and their eyes get big and they're like. I, I love uh, that Aquaman rescues Batman by doing the upside down, uh, like a uh, gymnast thing where he, right. he, I love that bit. I just love that Aquaman gets so much to do. It's perfect. It's, I mean, I, yes, it would have been cool to work Swamp Thing into it, but I'm glad that they use this as a device for giving Aquaman so much to do. Cause it didn't happen all that much. Yeah. There's something I was going to talk about, but I couldn't figure it out. It's kind of pointless, but maybe someone can help me at home in this episode. I'm looking at Aquaman and his face, the way he's illustrated, he really looks like some 1970s kid, like teen star. And I, can't figure out who it is to save my life. At first, I thought it was um, Kelly from Bad News Bears, uh, Rorschach from Watchmen, whatever that guy's name is. Jackie Earl Haley. That's who I thought at first. And then I'm like, no, I don't think that's right. There's there's just a, I don't know, it's pointless because I can't come up with it. But anyway, the, the nice thing about this episode, it really did feel kind of epic. It really yeah, did have sure. a, the building impending doom with a slow march towards Florida City. It felt really good. I, I, I thought it was a really good, very effective episode. I enjoyed yeah. it quite a bit. It's fun. It's just a lot of, it, this is one of the classic things happen in Super Friends because they do. Yeah. So, yep. All right. Good one. Uh, with the after this was the, uh, the the conclusion to the decoder segment where we find out what the word is, and I love that Aquaman mentions he says I'm going to stay here and practice for the swim meet. Uh, right, the super friend swim meet. He does not need to do so. I guess he's just sort of rubbing salt in the wound a little. He's pretending he has to practice. <laughs> well, I mean, it, all right, now flip it around and be like, come on, it's Aquaman. What else has he got to do, really? Oh, now come. He just I'm saved just all the super friends' bacon in the previous segment for pizza. That's true. He did. He did. <laughs> Maybe he's having his victory lap. All right, get to the next segment. Come on. Well, no, there's another. There's a, there's a craft segment too. Oh, there is a craft segment. Come on, right. don't don't skip that. That's important. I completely forgot. Okay, yes, there's a craft segment. It's done in two parts. They do, they do the first part before a commercial break, and then the other one after. And it's Wonder Woman who's <laughs> randomly flying by and sees a little girl sitting under a tree. So of course Wonder Woman stops to see what's wrong with this little girl. And the little girl's trying to figure out a school project. And it's funny. It's very much like a real kid. Like if you suddenly walk up to a kid, assuming they're not scared of you, they randomly start talking about what they're thinking about, <laughs> as if you were in the conversation the whole time. And you're like, and you got to play catch up. That's how it works with little kids. And so that's what this kid does. Wonder Woman's like, hey. Hey, what are you doing? Well, I got to do this school project and I got to figure out how to make out of this box as if Wonder Woman had been in class with her and trying to figure it out. And so they decided to make a yo-yo out of all the pieces. And I remember this seg- this craft segment also from, uh, from my youth. And they talk about how you can use a spool and string and all that. And then Wonder Woman helps make the, uh, this little girl make a little yo-yo. It's really cute. And it's an adorable little segment. Yeah. The super friends are, 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 are friends to children. That's the whole oh, bit. Oh, it's oh. great. It's perfect. So anyway, the final segment is called Fire, simply Fire. Uh, the plot is very simple. Batman, Robin, and special guest Rima the Jungle Girl Woo! battle a raging forest fire and find two escaped juvenile convicts. Now, the, the, uh, there were two main reasons why I wanted to talk about this particular episode. One is because this is an Aquaman-heavy show, and secondly, because it was a Rima episode. Even as a child, I knew Rima was a deep cut. I was, in, you know, I was like, "What is Rima doing on this show?" I, I love it. I'm not complaining, but I am completely gobsmacked that of all the characters for Hanna Barbera to pull from, they pulled a character that DC didn't even own. So explain that to me, because okay. DC did a Rima comic, didn't they? They did, but it's a licensed character. Rima is Rima is not. Rima's like Tarzan or the Shadow or Doc Savage. It's a character that they license. Is oh, she a pulp character or something? Uh, she appeared in a novel called the called Green Mansions. 
Um, huh, okay. And so she's she's basically a female Tarzan, and there was a a short run '70s series, Rima the Jungle Girl, featuring art by Nestor Redondo. If you've never mm-hmm. seen it, take a look at it. Nestor Redondo just knocked it out of the park with this amazingly detailed work. It's a beautiful book. It had great covers by Joe Kubert. Um, she's, she's hot. It's, it's 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 a beautiful comic, and it was very short lived. And I'm just I can't imagine why of all the characters. They would want to use her, but again, I'm glad that she made several appearances she, as a guest star. She was uh, voiced by uh, Shannon Farnan, who was also the voice of Wonder Woman. But I mean, like, I love the fact that that Hanna Barbera was using a character that DC did not even own. That that just fascinated me, and I wondered, like, did they check, or did DC just send a bunch of comics over and they're like, oh, we could use Rima because it's it's Filmation had the rights to Tarzan. So maybe this was like, well, this is our version of Tarzan. We can because she speaks to the animals, and there's a there's a sequence where she emits a call, and there's this great pan, a pan across a, a like a, 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 a like not river. a river, but like a it creek. is a river, yeah. Oh, it is a river, I guess. Of all the animals, and they're all drinking from the water together. There's like a bear, a skunk, a raccoon, a deer, <laughs> a bunny rabbit. I love that they're all together. Half of them would eat each other, but they're all yeah, hanging exactly, out in the river, right? avoiding out the, the fire. Right. Exactly. But I mean, I, I just. Well, her love... jungle call is almost identical to Tarzan's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's I it's love like, it. oh, I love it. I, I'm so, like I said, even as a small child, I knew Rima was very strange. And there was those mid years where I stopped watching Super Friends, but it was like pre internet, so you couldn't look things up. And I used to think, did I make that up? Did I remember that wrong? Was Rima in a cartoon? That makes no sense. And then I went back and I'm like, no, Rima wasn't. I mean, they did bring in Hawkgirl at one point. I think that's the only other superheroine that they ever did. Like, they didn't use Black Canary ever or, like, Supergirl or Batgirl, but they did Rima. I just, I don't know. I'm just endlessly charmed by that. I, I, I have to wonder, as you mentioned, Tarzan was owned by um, uh, uh, Filmation. Filmation. The rights to Tarzan. Maybe, maybe they were looking at spinning off Rima under her own series, and this was like a backdoor pilot kind of thing. I don't know that they really maybe. thought that far ahead. I, I don't mean, know. I don't know. It's very strange. Uh, I do like the way they illustrated her. I mean, um, or animated her. She looked very exotic. I mean, they, a lot of the female characters look kind of generic, change the hair color. They look the same in the show. But they did something about Rima with her eyes and just how thin she was and everything and her skin color. And, and they did a really good job making her look exotic. I was very impressed. She would. Uh, I'm too bad she never crossed over with Apache Chief. I feel like they would have been a great couple. Okay. Well, why don't you tell everyone uh, how the story goes? Well, basically, these two juvenile delinquents get caught up in this fire, and uh, Batman and Robin go and Rima. They they drag, They never really establish, you know, like how they get Rima into it. She's just into it. Like she's just part of it. She's, just well, she's of the, there in the Hall of Justice, hanging out with yeah, her. Yeah, she's, she's one member. of the ancillary super friends. Uh, and there's there's this long sequence where she's in the car with them, which I think is funny. Like I love she's in the the Batmobile. She's mm-hmm. she's riding in between the two of them. They rescue some a a family that gets caught in the fire, and again they get these juvenile delinquents that are partly involved in it. So that's it, it, you know uh, it's the the, the story is just kind of like all right the, the um there's they they rescue uh, this truck that goes over the edge again. This is the twice in this one episode where they uh, it's a, a vehicle being pulled up over a cliff. Right. Uh, and it ends with the family being rescued and Batman, Robin, and Rima are there. And the sheriff uh, schools the uh, two juvenile delinquents for, for their malfeasance. Now, now notice that uh, Zan, uh, Jaina could not succeed in stopping the car from going over the cliff. But Batman, he got the Batmobile to just mm. shoot those hooks in there and pulled her right up. And he doesn't mess around. Now, the, the biggest takeaway for me in this episode, and folks, I want you to go back and watch this now if you're fans of this. But uh, the two hoodlums? Oh my God! They look like animated versions of the brothers from Supernatural. <laughs> like they really, really, really do. And it make like if you put that in your head and sort of watch this episode, it's completely different. <laughs> it's like they got in trouble with the local sheriff for killing a monster or something, right? So now they're getting arrested. Then they break away. They steal a car, and they see a family who needs help. So they can't not help the people. So they help the people. It's like this is like a little crossover between Supernatural and Batman and Rima. So somebody else who's a Supernatural fan, watch this and tell me I'm tell me I'm wrong or tell me I'm right. And uh, I, I just cracked me up the whole way through it. Considering how enduringly popular that show is, I'm surprised there is not a supernatural animated series yet. It feels like that would be a natural. And the show's been on like 11 years yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, That, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, this was a fun one. I really enjoyed it. Oh, you, you're We've skipping the last about... segment. There's one, there's one last segment. There's a safety segment. 
Well, I was going to say, I, I was talking about the Rima one. Okay. I, all right. I, I've already hit all my notes, but it just, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. The, the part with the animals in the river, I just laughed so hard at that. That cracked me up. Because it's a slow pan over. It's like a deer, a bunny, da, 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 a bear. You know, I was like, they would have eaten him. Anyway, it cracked my junk up. So, yes, the safety segment at the end. Please go ahead. Superman helps a little girl heal a burn. That's all. That's basically it. He shows her what to do when you have it because she picks up a, a hot pot because she's dumb. Yep. And uh, he helps picture. But again, it's dumb. it's it's great. Again, I love all these. I love all these segments. They're so cute. They're really. Good. And then I, it, I okay. think I kind of remember that one. What, like vaguely burn? in the back of my head, what, was Superman telling her to wrap the cold towel around? Mm-hmm, I'm like, I, mm-hmm. as I watch it, that's one of those. Is kind of like I think I remember that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember all these really very very well when I watch them over again. And the whole show ends with a preview for next week's show where it gives you all the segments and it tells you that next week's guest is the atom yep very cool stuff i enjoy the heck out of this yeah and i'm really glad rob couldn't get his stuff straight because i got to watch three different super friends episodes which yeah, i kept sending I see... different episodes i was like which one is it i don't know it doesn't matter. and then well the other one had rima also yes so it was pretty great so very cool this was lots of fun i really enjoyed the heck out of this yeah this is, so, a, this I... is a great show super friends is totally deserving of an index show an index podcast and uh, i hope somebody should start one well, I started thinking about that. I'm sure somebody has covered every episode in another show, like embedded in, you know, yeah, I don't maybe, know. yeah. But no, but and this sort of came up with a conversation with Chris about Justice League uh, Unlimited. You know how he decided to break it out into its own thing. Mm-hmm. So it seems like this is a good opportunity for someone to they could index the Super Friends cartoons, or they could just jump around and do them and index them, and they could cover the comics. You know, mm-hmm. and then they could even go down later on because there's the the fun Super Friends comics. A few years later, that uh, you know, and there's Super Friends action figures, and then many years later, the more modern stuff. It's tons of material out there to play around with. It'd be a blast. Somebody should do it. Somebody should do it, uh, or somebody should do it with their kids or something like that. It'd be fun. If I had uh, any free time, which I do not, I would do a Super Friends comic index show, no problem, because I love that book to death. I never missed an issue of that show, of that uh, series. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I tell you, the Super Friend car- cartoons do hold up. My stepson, uh, when he was much younger, probably say seven or eight, you know, he had a, a couple cassettes of Super Friends cartoons and ones I had taped off USA when it was like Cartoon Express or whatever it was, uh, when they were running Super Friends with the different opening interstitial segments, like where they had different title cards and stuff. Uh, and he loved them. He would watch them over and over. So they hold up, even with kids today, uh, still enjoy this stuff. So well worth checking out, folks. And go, go check out this one. You'll find it out there. It's fun. Yes. I hope we can do more of these. I think these are they're fun to do. They're kind of easy to do. You just watch the episode and write some notes and stuff, but they're, they're really fun. So I hope we can we don't go so long again until we can do another one yeah we'll do these and uh then in exchange uh, you'll read some sad sack comics we'll do some of those too how's that i would volunteer for that that sounds good perfect all right folks well, i guess that's going to do it please go out to our website which is what rob fire and water yep go to the aquaman and firestorm show find this episode and please leave your thoughts on this episode talk, you know all the stuff we talked about i want to hear it i want to have some conversations and remember it's zan and jana versus wendy and marvin Again, uh, if you want to do, (laughs) you know, it's not subliminal if you just keep doing it over. Uh, If you if you want to do the dog and the the monkey against each other, that's that's a separate bout. Sorry, folks, this is a different title battle. So, (laughs) anyway, uh, I I guess that's gonna do. You can find us on Facebook and Twitters with all of our different. uh, You guys know where to find us. Anyway, uh, I think it's gonna do it, folks. Until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Got to construct another bridge and fast. Ah! <laughs>